Hello and welcome to Brits on Flicks, your monthly movie podcast where we discuss, deliberate and dissect a movie of our choosing, of Brian's choosing. This month, <laughs> the movie is Akira. So Brian, what about a little bit of history with this movie and you? Uh, yeah, this, this, so what was the first manga I ever saw? Uh, I think it was probably MacGyver, um, which was, uh, it, it was a TV series, so it was like half hour episodes. Um, I remember it coming out on video and I, I bought the first few volumes because I thought this looks cool. And there was a lot of talk about manga at the time. Everyone seemed to be into it. So I thought, oh, Guyver, that looks cool. That'll be my introduction. I bought it. And I was like, this is horrible. Like, the, the voices are just... Because they've converted it to English, mm. they had to kind of make the voices match to what we're saying. And sometimes it didn't feel like that's what they would be saying. And they've kind of made like changed it. And mm. it meant the actors were talking really fast in order to fit everything in. And it, it just, yeah, I couldn't gel with it. I couldn't gel with it at all. Um, but it was around that time um, that, you know, I was, I was reading about this stuff, this kind of cinema, and and Akira was pretty much the name that got banded about everywhere. If you read magazines, if you were looking at top ten lists, if you were trying to see the roots of anime and ma- uh, manga cinema, Akira, 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 it's all about Akira. Um, and then I think it was around 2000, I, I maybe tried watching Akira uh, late one night. And I think I watched like the first five minutes and I was a bit kind of like, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure I'm going to get into this. It looks amazing, but Already I'm a bit lost as to what exactly is going on. Um, and I, I think I just chalked it up to, this is one I maybe need to watch at a later date. And then that's it. I never went back to it. But ever since then, like for the past 20 years, still to this day, whenever manga comes up and top 10 lists and things like that, and e- even non-manga, but just science fiction lists, you know, and you talk about the greatest science fiction films, this is one that crops up. Akira, Akira, you got to see it. So, yeah, me putting this in as an option last episode, it, it was just, it was, it was kind of a, a way of forcing me to finally mm. sit down and watch it because I felt like that was the only way I was going to do it. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's about my history with the film, really. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> much like yourself, I... I I remember back to the days where I would watch programmes like Movie Drome uh, and similar mm-hmm. kind of things. Uh, you would have somebody like Alex Cox talking about a movie and then you would play it. And I remember seeing Akira back then, uh, very faintly, and I don't think I made it all the way to the end. Um, and I thought it was maybe just me. Uh, you know, maybe too young to understand it uh, or to grab a hold of it, to really get into it. Um, and and i seen other anime, manga movies uh, throughout the years nothing really stuck with me other than maybe Ghost in the Shell um, mm. nothing really clicked I always found them to be like visually stunning but the storylines never really grabbed hold of me um, but I did. I had already picked up Akira a while back and I was looking for a reason to watch it as well so it seemed like the perfect uh, perfect reason to throw on I picked it up I think for £2-£3 and I fought visit wow. at one point and okay. um, I'd been sitting there waiting to be played and finally got around to throwing it on thanks to the podcast. And uh, I, I suppose we'll jump into it soon enough, but do you have a little synopsis that you've borrowed? Cribbed from the back of the DVD. First synopsis that we've ever had on this show that I didn't have to do any work at all because uh, it just fit together. Okay, Akira. The year is 2019. Oh. That's funny. How timely. How timely. Uh, 30 years after Tokyo was destroyed by a secret weapons project during World War III. Neo-Tokyo has now risen from the ashes to become a dark and dangerous megalopolis infested with gangs and terrorists. 
The government is full of corruption and only maintains token control over the powerful military that prevents total chaos and hides the secrets of the past. Childhood friends Tetsuo and Kanada plunge into Neo-Tokyo's darkest secret when their motorcycle gang encounters a military operation to retrieve an escaped experimental subject. Tetsuo, captured by the military, is subjected to experiments that make him a powerful psychic. But, unfortunately for Neo-Tokyo, Tetsuo's powers rage out of control as he lashes out at the world that has oppressed him. Nothing can stop the destructive forces that Tetsuo wields except possibly the last boy to destroy Tokyo, Akira. Yeah, even listening to that synopsis, I'm like, wow, that's dense. There is a <laughs> lot of it. My goodness. Yeah, now, yeah, very much. Before we, before we jump into this, I suppose we should say that the standout of this thing, of this movie, is the visual style. The animation. Yes. Yeah. Looks Absolutely. tremendous. Uh, fantastic. There is grotesque, nightmarish images through there. There is weird, strange, unusual things. The way it uses the camera or what it shows you with the actors and the action is truly fantastic. It is a visual spectacle. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a film that you could turn the sound off mm. and just have on playing in the background. If you had a party... I would imagine, like, you know, if you had a load of friends around and drinks and music and stuff, Akira is one of them films that actually you could stick on in the background as mm-hmm. just something nice and visual for people to watch. The, the visuals on this are simply incredible and better than any Disney film that, that I've seen, quite mm-hmm. frankly. The, the, the realism of it, the way the characters move, the fluidity of the, of the animation, yeah. Whatever else we say from here on out, one thing you absolutely cannot fault with this film is the animation. It's impeccable. Mm. And when the movie starts, um, I was rather enjoying this thing. You know, I liked the biker gang. I liked the, the, the highway fights that they were having. You know, this all was quite interesting. The, the weird motorcycles, the kind of language that they had. and I enjoyed this kind of setup. Um, but I found, as the movie went on, as we started to discover the strange uh, kind of aged kids and the psychic abilities and the army experiment and then the, all the other characters and the weirdness that it got into, I started to lose interest and in, in my opinion of the movie waned quite a lot. I, I found it a slog to get through a lot of it. Um, yeah. I don't know about yourself, what, what did you make of it? Completely the same. My problem, what well, one of, I've got so many problems with this film actually, but my biggest problem is that I don't like any of the characters in this. There's mm. not a single character in this that I'm drawn to, that I'm rooting for. And I feel like Tetsuo, mm. we're meant to root for him. Um, and the, the, the problem with... One of the problems with him is that right near the end of the film, through these flashbacks, they try to give us this little backstory of how he was an orphaned kid and how he was bullied at school and he was the outcast. And it kind of gives you this sympathy for him. But you know what? We could have done with that at the beginning of the film. Mm. Instead, we've spent two hours following this guy who's basically only motivation is the fact that he wants to be one of the gang. And now that he's got the powers, he can say, screw you, gang, I'm better than y'all. So all that stuff we get at the end, which is supposed to build this sympathy for him, it's too little, too late. I, I don't care about this character at all by that point. So it almost feels like a token effort. Yeah, yeah, 100% agree. I... I... I mean, you say we're supposed to like Tetsuo, um, mm. but but why? Even at the start, he's a bit whiny, you know, yeah. jumping on his, his friend's bike or, or racing away. Um, he always gets in trouble, you know. You have this feeling that he's always been saved constantly mm. uh, by, I forget the guy's name, is it? Kanada. Kanada, yeah. Um, something like that. Yeah. Something like that. Um, you, you get a feeling that 
he is part of the gang, but he's just not the leader of it. He he kind of wants power. He gets kind of power hungry thing, and when he gets the power, he becomes uh, even more dislikable because it, mm. it warps him because he's not a good character yeah. to start off with. Yeah. Um, and then the person that's battling against him, uh, Big Man K, whatever his name is, Agent <laughs> K, um, he he he's not a likable person either. He's the, the leader of no. this gang who's constantly battling. You know, he he saves a. Uh, or gets a girl out of yeah. the army compound simply because well, she was a girl. Yeah, I I don't know who to root for, and not in a good way. Mm. Like there are there are films out there where both hero and villain are sympathetic characters, and you say, I didn't know who to root for. I know that guy's the bad guy, um, and even though I'm I'm I support the hero's cause. I, I, I still didn't know who to root for, and that's great writing. Whereas here, I don't know who to root for because I don't like any of them. There's, they don't give me a reason to root for them. One of the fascinating things for me um, was the idea of these three precogs, so we say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, do we get an explanation as to why they are what they are? Not really. We, th- th- there's, see, there's a lot in this movie where it's kind of left to assumption. Yes. Like, I, I have a vague idea of, of what this film is about, but I feel like that's more down to me filling in blanks mm. rather than actually being given the information. And this synopsis on the back of the DVD here really helps in that, you know? Mm. Like, without that, I, I, I think I would have struggled even more. The, the, the kids, I assume, they are the results of government experimentation, that they had latent abilities, mm. which were then brought out of them through that experimentation, and that Akira was like those three kids, mm. except he became so powerful, he, he destroyed Tokyo. Uh, but, but they kept the other three on standby, in some military facility somewhere until they could find another one like Akira and that just so happens to be Tetsuo. But like I say, I'm the one, I feel like I'm the one who's filling in those blanks. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I think by, by the end of it, I thought there were some kind of diluted offspring or, or clones of Akira. I wasn't sure what the heck mm. was going on. Um, I, I mean... I suppose it will be nice. We'll jump back to some of the visuals. I I did like the nightmarish scenes that um, appear, you know, with the, the yeah. giant teddy bear that's just mm. weird looking, you know, kind of throw, uh, well, it feels like Five Nights at Freddy's, the, the games that are out just now, that they're right. very similar images that feels as if it's been mm. taken from this. But those nightmare scenes were absolutely haunting. Yeah. Where, where the, the big teddy bears form out of all these smaller toys and mm. then kind of grow teeth and cut, yeah, it's it, it's it's quite twisted, must be said. And you get that kind e- of even more twisted at the end when Tetsuo starts can't control mm. uh, and the power in his body starts to morph. And there's a moment where the, the, the fingers of the giant hand come out and start to break into smaller hands that start to grab mm. people and then it's kind of assimilating people into it. It's, it's yeah. a horrible, twisted, gnarly there's, image. There's a little moment where the, the girl kind of gets sucked in and then it closes over her and just as it closes over her, you, you see everything just explode. Yeah. So she's, she's just like, she's gone, done. But, uh, uh. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. Right, Brian, I'm, I'm struggling with this one already. Okay. Can you? I'm I'm racking my brains right now. I I watched this just two days ago. Can mm. you remember how it ends? Y- yes, I mean it's in the it's in the football stadium. They're battling against uh, Tetsuo, who's starting to uh, mm. not control the power. Yeah. Then uh, the the parts of Akira that have been stored as DNA samples break loose, and he forms again, and ultimately doesn't destroy. Uh, Tetsuo, but rather puts him in a new plane of existence because I think there is a whole new galaxy created out of this power. As that's right. what I took from it. Cause I, I didn't get any of that. By, the, by that point, when that stuff was going off, I was like, 
You've got the three precogs who are who are kind of praying at the jars of the DNA. Yeah. And they start to seep out, and it forms this mystical Akira yeah. figure. And I think he uh, explodes um, Tetsuo, but just uh, the final image of it is Tetsuo's eye as it forms part of a galaxy. Mm-hmm. I, I have no idea how those remains of Akira were ever found, given that presumably he was at the centre of some kind of nuclear explosion that destroyed Tokyo, and yet they managed to go into that carnage and and find these (laughs) these gloopy remains that they determined to be Akira. It it doesn't make a right lick of sense, to be perfectly honest. No, it it doesn't, but I don't think there is is much else in the the movie that really makes much sense either. I, I feel like this would have been much better served as like a series like maybe like a something like a 12 part series 12 half hour episodes really fleshed stuff out um it's like uh i just remembered something i was going to say before which is about uh canada where even his relationship with that girl hmm. It starts with him kind of giving her the come on. And when she's not really having much of it and she, she just, you know, goes on her way, he calls her a not very nice <laughs> word. He, like he, he literally calls, calls her a bitch or some, you know, some, like something really nasty. I think it's a, a cold bitch. Yeah, cold, yeah, he calls her a cold bitch. And it's like, basically, he's just, he's a, he's a, gang member scumbag like mm. he's not got in that moment he's not got any kind of genuine affection for her he's not pursuing her because he's smitten he he just looks at her thinks she's fit but she's not going to give it out so he calls her a cold bitch and it's like that that does not make me root for him no. to try and to try and win her to try and woo her so it's like when we've got these later scenes in which they meet up again and all of a sudden they're getting, uh, you know, a little bit connected. I'm like, run for the hills, woman. Yeah. This, this, this is not a good man for you. He's not a good pick at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just like, why, why would you try and think that making us want these two to get together would be a good idea when we've, when, when we've clearly seen that this guy doesn't deserve her? You know, it's like, as a father, if this guy came knocking on my girl's doorstep, I'd be putting my boot up his ass and showing him the door. Hmm. Yeah, it's. I mean, this is wildly, widely regarded as a masterpiece, a classic, and, and I'm I'm sitting scratching my head watching it, going, "What am I missing? Am I missing something that's just not connecting with me? Um, is the movie that dense that I'm just?" I'm not breaking through to the core of it. Am I not getting the full message? Because people seem to be almost rabid about this. Mm. You know, I I I feel like it's it's just that. Again, it's timing as well. Obviously, mm. we you know we're we're coming at this on the back of what thirty years, thirty years yeah. old now. So you know, other than Blade Runner, like. I can't imagine there was anything like this really at that point. Um, you know, like films that, that that really went to this level, uh, and I do think this apes Blade Runner considerably. So mm. it's it's not original in that sense. I still think Blade Runner got there first, but uh, it's able to do a bit more than Blade Runner was able to do in the visual sense because it's animation. You can. You can do anything in animation. You can make characters go anywhere, be anything, do anything. So it it does have that one-upmanship on Blade Runner. But Blade Runner has a a much more coherent story Mm. and much more likeable characters. So, and and, and a clear point, a clear message, I think, Blade Runner, you know, the things that it's, it's looking at. Whereas this, like you say, it's so muddled, it's so dense, uh, that... 
and just the connected tissue just doesn't seem to be there. So it's like you see all these snippets of great ideas, but you're kind of wondering how they relate to each other because, Mm -hmm. again, connected tissue, it's not there. I'm having to fill in too many blanks. And maybe maybe it should have been a three-hour film rather than a two-hour film. I don't know, but... Maybe they should have slimmed the plot down, took out a couple of characters, you know, Mm. jumped a couple of points, or expanded it, like you say, into a longer-running series where they could have focused Mm. on more people easier. Yeah, like I got really lost on the dude who was part of the rebellion, but... Like he was some kind of politician, and then the next minute he's stuffing a suitcase full of money, and just doing a runner. And one, you got to ask, what was all that money just doing, lying around in just some random government office somewhere? Mm. Two, who is this guy? Why? Why is it like it just happens so fast? All of a sudden, you know, like he's he's the leader of these guys, or he's on their side. He's their inside man. Mm-hmm. And the next minute, he's not. He's betrayed them, but I don't quite know how he's betrayed them. I don't know. I don't know what that money is. What's that? What's what's that money? The result of what? What deal have I missed mm-hmm. that I should have been clued up on? It just, like I say, it just it happens so fast. It seems to come out of nowhere. Allegiances change like that, and yeah. It loses me big time. I'm really having to struggle to to keep focused with it. And I don't feel like that's any fault of mine because I like to think I'm a reasonably intelligent guy. I, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've followed fairly difficult movies, films like Annihilation and, and the like, you know, and, and got a lot out of them. Yet here, I, I don't think this works on the same level. No, no, I, I'm 100% with you. I like yourself, I can... Sometimes I can look at a movie, watch it once, and be instantly able to pick it apart and focus on all different uh, parts of the movie. You know, take for instance, we watched uh, Cold in July a few months ago. You know, mm. we, from watching it to doing a review, there was a large period of time, and I was still able to pinpoint things that I thought about at the time. Mm. Um, this is a couple of days removed from seeing this, literally uh, 48 hours, and I am struggling to remember mm. big parts of this. Yeah. It's like like visuals, you know, I, literally, if, if you ask me to give you a positive, I'll say, oh, well, that scene where this happens and that happens, it looks really awesome. It looks cool, the way that air glider thing was doing its stuff and that explosion and, and, and that monster thing, the way it comes out and the fight scene and the, the bit on the street that gets a little bit dark when they're attacking that woman. It's like, it all looks great. But that's that's it, that's like... If you want a positive, it's like pick a scene and I'll tell you it looks great because it does. It looks stunning. But when it comes to story, plotting, character, music, I wasn't sold on either. I I just, Hmm. I'm not sold. I I I don't know why this is such a classic beyond the animation. You're not buying it. No. No. Well, unfortunately, I already did because I own the DVD, but. Yeah. Yeah. What is that us for Akira? Are, are we all done? Is there anything else you would like to mention? I, I think that's it. I think I'm done. Um, yeah. I'm just disappointed. Really disappointed. You're not angry. <laughs> I'm, yeah, that's it. I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. After 20-odd years of hearing about how great Akira is, like, beyond really cool looking scenes this film doesn't offer a right lot else to me and it just makes me disappointed in all the people who have ever said this is a must see it is pure brilliant science fiction Mm. Um, I've seen plenty of other sci-fi manga films and well not plenty but a few uh, and they're all better than this Uh, maybe not Animation wise, this this may may be better from an animation standpoint, but that's it. I give this a oh man two out of five. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. Much like you, I think great visuals, but the substance isn't there behind it. 
to really bring it home. You know, it's, it's all cool having great visuals, but if there's not an emotional resonant factor to it that you can latch on to and attach yourself to the characters, you're not going to get much out of it other than, wow, that looks cool. And, and that's not enough these days. Um, it really isn't. I'm, I'm a little bit downbeat with this as well, but I'm kind of stuck because I, I did love the visuals. Mm. I had no interest in the story whatsoever. For me, I'd give it two and a half out of five. Right in the middle. I, I think... Um, I was going to go with a two and a half, but I don't know. It's just, can, can I really... A film that we've literally only given one positive to. Hmm. I, mean, I, mean, I mean, it does look beautiful throughout, start to finish. Like I say, it's nice to watch if you turn the sound off. I don't know. And... and the thing is, there is something in there. There is an idea. It's got yes. a lot of stuff going on. It's got a lot of stuff that going on that's going on that, that I feel if they just took a bit more time, created a bit more connective tissue, it would be that four or five star film that everybody says it is. Mm. Um, but I feel that people are projecting a bit too much. I've got, I'll, I'll go to two and a half. I think, yeah, two and a half out of five. <laughs> I've done an about turn there. Two and a half out of five because it, it definitely, it's definitely got something in there from an idea standpoint. It's just not dealt with them particularly well. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're going to move on to our top five, which was mm. top five anime manga. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so looking at my uh, list of movies that I've seen, that I have on Letterboxd, um, I've seen... Not a lot, not as many as I thought I had, um, mm. and, and I was looking at my top five, which I could make a top five. I think I think I had somewhere between eight and ten titles or something like that. Movies I'd seen a few anime series, mm. and I was I had a, a top five, and I was like, you know what, I'm I'm really not happy with number five. So I swapped that out and cheated a little bit, and I, and I threw in a, a, an anime series. Okay. There. I, I've I've technically done that I think, um, but we'll get we'll get to it. We'll mm-hmm. get to it. We'll get to it. So. Okay. So shall I go first with my series? <clears throat> okay. Yeah. My number five is Death Note, the TV series. So my first introduction to this was the Netflix movie, which was kind of ho hum, you know, nothing special. Um, one day, I was kind of bored. Had a little bit of time to kill. These were quick 20, 25 minute episodes. I thought, you know what? I'll throw one on, see what it's like. And then I threw in another one. This is a complete series that comes in 37 episodes and I watched it in three days. I was hooked. This was a fascinating story. And the best way to describe it is Sherlock Holmes versus Moriarty. It is a battle of minds between these two geniuses and we follow the Moriarty character mm. all the way through it. And I kind of knew aspects of it, you know, but I, I wasn't prepared for the kind of relationship between Elle and our lead character battling it off with mind games. There's lots of times they have conversations that you would have Sherlock Holmes and Moriarty have. You know that fight they have? I'm wrecking back falls and... Um, mm. Yeah. where they don't do anything but they're battling with minds there's a couple of scenes like that in here and it's high pressure situations of people trying to outthink each other and um, it's got some stunning visuals it comes to a concluded storyline which was very fitting and, and kind of sad at the same time lots of characters die in horrible fashions and this is just a, a series that is so good it makes it onto my top 5 anime movies list Okay. Nice one. Um, I, I'm I, I'm doing my usual of looking at my list and thinking. I feel like I want to swap something round, but um, uh, I'll, I'll I'll leave it as is for now. Uh, I, I, the thing is, I'm all of these films, with the exception of 
one of them I've only seen once and they were pretty long ago so I am going off purely my memory of, mm. of, of what I felt at the time uh, but with that in mind my number five like you I kind of went with a series um, it's it's only three episodes but the, it's they're really films they're like three short films about an hour long each um, and then when you put them together they make one whole so to speak and it's called Cyber City Oedo 808 um, this is so ju just after I'd bought the Giver and I was trying to get into manga because it was the cool thing um, the, the Channel 4 had started putting manga stuff on late at night. Uh, one, of, one of them was this thing called Devilman. That was pretty good. Mm. That came close to making my top five. Um, but one that connected with me, and I'm not sure it's that great, to be honest. Like I said, it's been so... It's been, I've not seen it since the 90s. Uh, but So Cyber City Oedo, it's these three stories. So these three criminals are uh, essentially given the suicide squad treatment. So, you, you know, you go out, you do mission, you each do a mission for us, and if you do the mission, you get time off your sentence. So there's um, this, this kind of cool dude guy, he's like the leader of the three. There's this uh, proper kind of bebop and rock steady looking dude with this Mohican who's right. like proper into rock and stuff like that, heavy metal kind of dude. Uh, and then there's this transvestite guy. Um, so each each film is a, is, a, is a different type of story. So one is like um, about... So, so the main guy goes up against this AI, this artificial intelligence, and it's it turns out to be this, this guy who's part of a machine and it's, it's, it's got some really cool visuals in it. Then the, uh, the, the Bebop's rock-steady dude, he goes up against this cyborg. Um, and then the transvestite dude goes up. He, he's, in a, he's in a vampire story in outer space. Uh, it, he ends up going in outer space. It's a vampire story. So, yeah. Um, so each, each one, you, you see them do their mission and complete it and get time off the sentence. And then obviously when you, when you put them together, it, it's almost like one long film that's been split up. But uh, I, just, I just remember liking it at the time. I just thought it was a cool idea. I thought they were cool characters. And it's something where I would have liked to have seen more from it, mm. the, you know, from that world and that. Whether it holds up today, I, I honestly couldn't tell you. Uh, I'm going purely off my memory of... 20 years ago so yeah um there you go cyber city oedo yeah um, my next one is probably the most i'd say famous anime movie out there uh, ghost in the shell okay yeah um, we recently had the, the live action adaptation but the original movie was um only something that i i watched for the first time last year after i'd seen the movie and oh. um it, it was fantastic such a, an interesting idea of, of this strange uh, future, this cybernetic policewoman type thing that, that could turn invisible, hunting down this um, strange uh, artificial intelligence bad thing. And it's just so much, uh, so much of it you can see has been taken from certain things, that especially with the Matrix we were talking about um, last episode, you know, you can see lots of our main character and Trinity um, and yeah. the things that she does. It's something that even people that don't watch anime that haven't heard of it, it's prominent for them. It's a quick, snappy tale. It's exciting. It's visually stylish. And unlike Akira, it is coherent. And you can mm. tell what's happening from start to finish. Um, yeah. You know, I particularly like the scene where she's uh, swimming. You know, or, or when she gets created at the start, or the whole body being mm. created is just one of these like fascinating ideas. You get the, the story right from start to beginning, and um, you know I've seen a few anime. Some of them can be completely all over the place, like Akira. Some of them are just nailed exactly what they were meant to be. This is it. Okay. Uh, my number four is Perfect Blue. Uh, it is a 
film about a retired pop star who's becoming an actress and she is she has a stalker um i won't say much more than that other than it's very hitchcockian mm. if hitchcock made a anime it would look very much like this um, i remember it being very psychologically dark challenging and just pretty well made uh yeah it goes to some some places that you don't really expect from animation uh you know when like when i saw it it was it, i hadn't really seen many manga or anime and and so seeing this and just how full on it is mm. with some of the sexual stuff in it it was like okay <laughs> but uh but yeah it's it's like when you kind of look at it and you realize oh this stuff ain't for kids these are these like proper movies mm. that that they're making here they just happen to be animated um so yeah perfect blue really good kind of non hitchcock hitchcock film yeah um my number 3 is perfect blue <laughs> which is it's unlike any other anime I've seen. It is 100% an adult psychological thriller um, from start to finish. It, and it has this character at the heart of it who uh, is going through a lot of stuff and you get to see every facet of this. And it isn't the sugar-coated um, or fantastical type of anime that you're used to. This is down and dirty and vicious and... Um, you know, the breaking of a person through stalkers, how it affects them, you know. And I I just wasn't prepared for how good this movie was going to be. You know, you stick on an anime, you're expecting a kind of certain level of entertainment and enjoyment, but not something to give you a real kick, which this movie does. Um, just grabs a hold of you and shakes you. It's stunning. And I don't understand, in, in this day and age where everything gets remade, why this hasn't had a live action adaptation because it, it could quite easily be done yeah yeah it's just yeah. it's surprise. pretty straightforward isn't it um i think you can match it shot for shot with yeah. the way it's framed and things and you'd make a really great movie uh mm -hmm. i think obviously purists would probably have something to say about that but yeah uh, my number three is and, and i think these count uh i mean my definition of what constitutes anime and what constitutes manga may be somewhat limited because I'm, you know, I'm not a huge buff on these kind of movies, but I think Princess Mononoke counts. Uh, I'm, I'm going to assume it does. Yeah. It's Jap Japanese animation. It's, you know, it's a very particular kind of style. But, uh, yeah, so the Miyazaki stuff, I, I, I assume, is part of that whole anime thing um princess mononoke yeah i a film that i watched the british version of it simply because um gillian anderson did a voice to it and yeah way back when when i saw it i i was just really big on gillian anderson so i'd watch anything with her in even if it was an animated film and it's fantastic it's like dark disney you know it's a proper fairy tale story with tree creatures and strange wild pig beasts and yeah crazy big white dogs and it's 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 what would happen if disney went really dark um and and yeah just full-on twisted um but it's got a, a real sense of beauty about it as well the animation's incredible as you would expect from a miyazaki film uh, and it's uh, what, from what I've seen of Miyazaki of, of, of uh, Studio Ghibli uh, it, it's, it's one of their best right um, th that's Studio Ghibli is one of these things that I, I've been meaning to get into mm. um, and I've, I've picked up a couple of their titles I've just never got around to, to watching them as yet um, I'm waiting for I think I want to be in the right mood to stick it on you yeah. know um, yeah. You get that with certain movies that you want to wait to the right time. So I, I will get to them at some point, but not as yet. Um, my number two is Your Name. Um, again, this is a movie I saw, I think it was last year, maybe the year before. And it's one of these tales that 
kind of lures you in with its simplicity. Um, it's basically a body swap comedy. Um, and that's exactly how it starts off. It doesn't explain it. Just you get these two individuals who are uh, swapping bodies. You know, um, a, a girl and a, and a guy. One living in the city, one living in the sticks. And they wake up one day and they'll have swapped places. And they start to get into a routine of, of what to do. Like leaving notes for each other so that they don't mess up things in their life. And, and just continuing as if um, they were that person. And you're kind of laughing along and you're having fun with it. And it's it's kind of free-flowing and easy-going. And then before you know it, this thing just pulls the rug from under your feet with a, a strange happening, something that happens. And then you suddenly realise how emotionally invested you are in these characters. And it becomes something that is desperate to get to the conclusion, hopefully gets to that happy conclusion. You're, you're willing it, you want it to get there. And you are fully invested in this movie that came out of nowhere and just sucker punched you. The kind of whimsical nature, but this emotionally resonant story that is absolutely wonderful. So if anybody hasn't seen your name, you need to check it out. Mm. Okay. I've heard a lot about your name, that that it's, you know, it is supposed to be pretty uh, gut-wrenching and whatnot. But, um... Okay, my number two is Spirited Away, mm. which, again, another Miyazaki film. For, for, for my money, the best Miyazaki film that I've seen. Uh, admittedly, I've not seen them all, not even close. But, uh, yeah, Spirited Away, re- really, really loved it. Just kind of like Alice in Wonderland, just slightly more... If, if 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 that's possible, a bit a bit more weird. Um, I, I, well, I don't know. It's just just a different kind of weird, I guess. Uh, Alice in Wonderland through the eyes of Japanese filmmakers. Uh, so, yeah, re- really good film. Again, beautiful moments, wonderful animation, uh, crazy creature designs, and a central story around this child, this this young girl that you get invested in. Uh, a, a character that you know you root for, unlike Tetsuo. <laughs> so, spirited yeah. away. Um, my number one is the Red Turtle. This is a phenomenal movie, and was very high up in my top ten movies of the year. The year I remember when we did our top ten <coughs> last year, major top ten. Yeah. Um, this is a phenomenal movie and it's, I, I like to call it a universal movie because there, nobody speaks in it, so anybody can, can watch this thing and it's basically about a man who gets stranded on an island and there is a red turtle there that kind of keeps him there, doesn't allow them off an island and things transpire and it's basically a story about the environment, you know, man's relationship with that and if he's good to it, will provide everything he needs uh, and, uh, you know, it's simpatico, everything working together. It is stunningly uh, done visual style. The, the the sound recording is amazing because it's all done with these weird um, sound mixtures because there's no vocals whatsoever. And it's one of these tales that I've watched several times and I just love it. I get more and more out to it every time. It's really affecting, it's fun, it's devastating, it's everything in this one story and... Hopefully, you're going to tell me you've seen this yet, Brian. <sighs> that, that, that's, that's a hard one to take. This is a, a stunning movie. Were you hoping it was going to be my number one then? I was, I was just hoping you would have seen it. I don't care uh, where you put it, just seen yeah. it. I want more people to see it. Yeah, I've, I've, not, I've not seen it. Um, so, uh, just before I give my number one, I will say three honourable mentions that didn't quite make the cut were Blood, The Last Vampire, which is pretty decent, uh, Ghost in the Shell, which I really like, although I find the ending to be a bit ponderous and I prefer the ending to the live-action film. <laughs> sure people will hate me for that, but hey-ho, it's just the way, just the way I feel. <clears throat> and Ninja Scroll, which is 
kind of a, a samurai, mystical warriors, kind of all-action blood fest. So, it, yeah, really good, kind of solid film that just missed out. And probably is a better film than than, than Cyber City Oedo, but for whatever reason I had some affections because of my memories of, of that one. So, yeah, my number one choice is a film called... Um, Wings of the Honey Amis, or the Honey Amise, uh, is I think you may, probably how you pronounce it. Uh, it was it, it it came out in nineteen eighty seven, a year before Akira, and at that time it was the most expensive anime that had ever been produced. Um, and I just get sucked up in the story. I've only seen it once. It's never been released here. It came. It played on TV late one night over here, <coughs> but it's never been released on DVD here or Blu-ray. So it, it's it's a film I'd love to get my hands on. Um, and I just remember it. It, it just really spoke to me. Um, so it follows this guy who is desperate to get up into space. So he's, he's, he's become an astronaut, he's in a space program, um, and his, his end goal is, is just, he, he wants to get into space. He's dreamed of being an astronaut ever since he was a kid. He's always wanted to be a part of this Royal Space Force, and he, he's, it's, it's all that matters to him. Uh, there's a lot going on on Earth, you know, like a lot of political tensions, environmental issues, things like that. And while he's caught up in this space program, he meets this woman who's handing out leaflets in the street. Um, she, she's essentially the Japanese equivalent of a Bible thumper, I guess. She's you know she's trying to trying to tell people about God and how how we should be looking after this planet rather than getting off it to do flights of fancy. And he's kind of like poo-pooing her. He's all like, you know what, not for me. Um, like they, they, He's kind of friendly with her and they build some kind of relationship, but he's just he's still focused on space. And well, I, I won't say any more than that, uh, just because I, like the ending for me was really powerful uh, on an emotional level spiritual level uh and it's just it was just brilliant writing and it, again it's that thing of telling a, co a cohesive story in which you know you, you you're never lost you know exactly where you are because the writer the director is doing a, a good job of it and and they've given you characters that you can give a toss about so yeah uh wings of a honey amuse Brilliant film. I would really love to see it again. So if anybody could track it down, I, I would love a copy. <laughs> now we are on to the final part of the episode where we're going to choose next episode's movie. I have five somewhat changed synopsis for Brian here. He is going to exclude the one go. by one until we have a movie left and that will be the movie of the next episode now. Erin Brockovich. <laughs> <laughs> Wish I could. Um, this time, Brian, I have three movies that I have seen and two that I have not. So let's just get started. Number okay. one. After an apocalyptic event, the world's survivors have gathered together and created their own economy and class system. A group of lower class citizens living in squalor are determined to get to the people in charge and spread the wealth around. Okay. Um, number. Oh, that, number. That could, there's, there's a few films that could be. Yeah. And I'm tempted to jettison it right now just on the off chance that it's high rise. Number two. Um, <laughs> a policeman investigates the disappearance of a young girl he discovers that the locals act oddly and are unhelpful and he becomes determined to get to the bottom of this disappearance number three on a cross country journey a married couple fall into the hands of a devious individual who will challenge their will 
to survive. Number four. Soon after a stranger arrives in a little village, a mysterious sickness starts spreading. A policeman drawn into the incident is forced to solve the mystery in order to save his daughter. That sounds very familiar. Number five. A newspaper reporter with an abrasive personality that has got him fired from various big city papers is reduced to reporting for a relatively small time paper in Las Vegas. It's here he gets the story of his life, but will the local sheriff, the DA or even his own boss let him print it? I'm going to get rid of number five. You have got rid of 1972's The Night Stalker. Which I think is something you wanted to see at some point. Yeah, I, I would like to see it at some point. Uh, I had a feeling that was a 70s movie based on the synopsis. and I, I just wasn't in the mood for it, to be honest. Yeah, the story was, that he has is that the, the serial killer working in the town is a vampire. Mm, yeah, it's it's Kolchak, isn't it? Kolchak, the Night Stalker. Yeah, this yeah. one's just called the Night Stalker because it was the first right. movie. But yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's just... Yeah, what one of the main inspirations for Chris Carter's X Files? Mm. So, um, yeah, that, that, that is a shame. It is a shame now that I know what it is. But ho, maybe, maybe next time. <laughs> mm. um, I'm really worried that that number one choice is High Rise because literally, if it did turn out to be High Rise, that ain't a film that I ever plan on watching it again. Um, so um, well, you know, you could be right, you could be wrong. Well, it's, it's either one or the other, isn't it? Um, <laughs> given how much I hated that film, I'm not willing to take the chance. So I'm going to get rid of number one. Are you one hundred percent sure? No, I'm yet. <sighs> I was really hoping you were going to pick this one as well. I love this movie. You have got rid of Snowpiercer. God damn it! I've still not seen that film. Oh my goodness, that is so fantastic. Dying to see that one for flipping ages. Mm. Right, uh, hang on, let me just whack the uh, power on my computer. I got a battery warning light on me, so... Yeah, okay. Uh, so we've got number two, which really sounds up my street, quite <laughs> frankly. Um, I would imagine, out of these movies, you have seen two of them, and there is probably one that you haven't seen. Right, read three and four to me again. Um, on a cross-country journey, a married couple fall into the hands of a devious individual who will challenge their will to survive. <clears throat> and soon after, a stranger arrives in a little village, a mysterious sickness starts spreading. A policeman, drawn into the incident, is forced to solve the mystery in order to save his daughter. Man, that sounds so familiar. It really does. You have got rid of The Wailing. Oh, right. Yeah, not seen that one. That is pretty special. Right. <laughs> wow. Just looking, I did yeah. not think we'd be left with these two. Really? Yeah. Right. Read two again. A policeman investigates the disappearance of a young girl. He discovers that the locals act oddly and are unhelpful, and he becomes determined to get to the bottom of this disappearance. Oh, crap. Get rid of that one. You have got rid of The Wicker Man. Yeah, I knew it. I flipping knew it. Oh, that's not up my street at all. I hate that film. <laughs> I've never seen it. Have you not? Oh, man. Yeah, Christopher Lee cites it as, as his best. He, 
of all of all of his movies, he was always most proud of that one. Um, yeah, I, I did. I didn't like the ending. Um, yeah, no, not for me. Okay. I thought I thought it was something else. It sounded like something more modern at the time, mm. which means we are left with number three, doesn't it? Go on, which hit is me with it. on a cross country journey. Journey. <laughs> on a cross-country journey, a married couple fall into the hands of a devious individual who will challenge their world to survive. You have seen this movie before. Have you any guesses, Brian? I have not. If I was to say Wolf Creek... Oh! No! I'd be lying. Good. If I was oh. to say Breakdown... Wolf Creek too. <laughs> no, breakdown... I would be very happy with that choice. Yes. It's Breakdown. It's break yes! Well, obviously is. couldn't say that his wife went missing, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that, that's a good choice. I like Breakdown. Uh, I think I've wanted to watch it again for a while. Yeah. Good yeah. stuff. Same, and I will go for the top five Kurt Russell performances. Or characters. Characters. Yes, characters. Characters. Okay. Yeah. That should give us... Something nice to choose from. Yeah. All yeah. right. There we have it. So, uh, this, uh, this will be the next episode, possibly. Possibly. There, there could be a special episode coming before this. Um, mm -hmm. Let's just leave it at that. It'll appear in the stream if it's coming at some point. So, <laughs> <laughs> so from Brian and myself. Thanks for listening. I uh, will see you next time on Brits on Flex. Thank you.